The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Brought panic to their minds The evil of that hour Was stronger than the sun That beat on them with nowhere left to run The chariots of Egypt Drew nearer as they cried Yet Moses stood there calmly With a fearless faith inside He said there is a power far greater than the sword. Stand still and you will witness a mighty salvation from our Lord. And
The hour of darkness is upon us. We need to cry out to the Lord. America has been at war for years. Yet somehow we have lost our will to win. So Afghanistan is now being taken over by the Taliban. Billions of dollars have been wasted by our government. Can you imagine how a man or woman feels who lost their wife or husband in this worthless war in Afghanistan? Can you imagine how the Rangers and the Marines and others feel who have lost dear buddies and friends? America has lost its will to win. It's lost its will to be godly. And so darkness is upon our land. And every perverse and unclean thing is springing up like poisonous weeds. Perversion. Sexual uncleanness. Absolute. Corruption on the part of our president. On the part of mayors and and governors and senators and congressmen. No longer is our land a land of, of righteousness. It is now a land that is desperately wicked, murdering babies. Penn State University contracting with NIH to surgically remove organs from babies after they're born. Worse than Nazism. I am appalled by what I see happening in America. And then in the midst of all of that, no voice is raised by the church. Business as usual. Build the institution. Grow the finances. I'm angry. I hope you hear that. I hope you're angry. Righteous anger at the wickedness that is rolling over this nation, destroying the freedoms that were God-given, wearing diapers on our faces, a hoax, no science behind it. I could go on and on. I'm just, I'm distraught by the wickedness of our age. I wish this could be a day of prayer with you, but it can't be because of technical problems with our setup. We've not yet been able to have the sound engineer come and establish a connection so that we could take live phone calls. I hope by next week that will be fa- that will be changed. So I'm going to continue with this study out of the book of Exodus. It's important that we understand the way faith functions. There's a story, however, who sets the stage for an understanding. Jesus, without his disciples, is walking on a Sabbath morning. 
and he finds his way to the pool of Bethesda. And there is a man lying there beside the pool, waiting for the angel to come and stir the waters. And he is sick. He can't get up. He is weak. He's been there a long, long time. Thirty-eight years he's been sick. Jesus approaches this man, probably not recognized by anyone there. And Jesus asks him a question. Do you want to get well? It would seem that this question is an insult coming from Jesus. Of course, he wants to get well. No, no, wait, not not so quickly, move on. It is a perverse side of our nature that we human beings quickly adjust to the circumstances of our life and say, we just have to put up with it. That's life. I can't change it. It's hopeless. So I'm going to survive. That's what this man had done. After all, he had family that carried him every morning and picked him up and carried him home every night. He didn't have to worry about food. It was provided. His garments were provided. He found some comfort in his laying beside the water, waiting for an angel to move, and then he would try to get in, but always there was someone stronger. They would jump in ahead of him. And so he continued in his sickness. He responds to Jesus by saying, Sir, I have no one who can help me into the water when it is stirred. No one to put me in the pool while I'm I'm still trying to get in the pool. Somebody jumps in ahead of me. All this man has is excuses. He's the victim. That victim position seems to be a a favorite place for we human beings to hide. And then you have all of the positive thinking preachers and teachers who come saying, you know, what you need to do is work on conjuring up your faith. And if you have enough faith, you can make anything happen. And so... Put a positive affirmation on your refrigerator. Say it over and over all through the day. That new car belongs to me. You will force the spirit realm to produce the car. That's witchcraft. It's foolishness. Positive affirmations are witchcraft. Human faith operates in witchcraft. There's another kind of faith we need to look at. And that's divine faith. It's godly faith. It's very different. Jesus speaks to this man, bypasses all of his excuses, and says, you get up right now 
take up your pallet, and begin walking around. Now, Jesus knew this would get him in trouble. It was a Sabbath day. And sure enough, it did. But he said, I don't know who healed me. I never saw this man before. But Jesus finds him in the temple. And in John, the fifth chapter, he says, Look, having become well, you must stop sinning from now on so that something worse may not happen to you. In other words, I've healed you. You are restored. You can go home to your family now. But stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. There is a, an entering into a spiritual realm that we must learn about. And it's why I love this story of Moses and the Red Sea. It is a profound lesson for us. They are at the Red Sea. They are hemmed in by the sea, which is a symbol in that culture of chaos and death. It is the place of, of utterly being undone. It is the place of demons. That's their belief. And behind them is the chariot power of the mightiest army on the face of the earth. And the mountains. There's no place to run. There's no place to go. They're terrified. And they complained to Moses, Why have you led us out here to die in this desert? Why didn't you just leave us alone where we were? But they must have faith. They must know they cannot deliver themselves. Now, let me address some very personal issues with you, please. There is a perverse side to every one of us. I can remember when I was a young man in school, and I would be taking an exam, and I knew I was not doing well. I would deliberately put the wrong answers in so that I would not just mess up, I would totally fail. And after one such exam, the teacher held me after class. And he said, Raymond, I'm disappointed in you. I was like in the fifth grade. Raymond, I'm disappointed in you. Why? I graded your test. You got a zero. You lied. And liars can't go to heaven. I said, what do you mean I lied? You deliberately put in the wrong answers because you were afraid you weren't going to do very well. And you would rather fail spectacularly than fail halfway. I said, you're right, I did that. 
All right, Raymond, come in here and sit down. You're going to take another test. Only this time, don't lie. Ooh, he was stern with me. Well, there's a perverse side to every one of us that if we're going to fail, let's just give up and die. Let's not press forward. Let's not pray. Let's just roll over. And we see that perverseness now everywhere in America where the American people are not rising up against the tyranny. They're just saying, I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. I can't do anything. America's just that way. I'm not going to resist. I don't want to get in trouble. Whatever happened to backbone? Whatever happened, I would rather die than be in tyranny. Give me liberty or give me death. What what happened to that? Somehow that's been taken from the American heart. And it has to change. Some of you continue going to a worldly church where you're simply entertained. You're never confronted with your sin. You're never rebuked for wickedness. A pastor pats you on the head, encourages you to come and bring others so he can entertain you and tell his jokes inspire you with a little bit of a funny stuff and a and a few inspirational little stories have some song and dance do some concerts and some plays i'm angry i don't like it i don't like what's happening to the church I don't like what's happening to America, and it's time for us to cry out and say, Enough is enough. We must return to the Lord. We can't go this way into the kingdom of God and enter into salvation. Jesus said to this man, Stop sinning. Or something worse will happen. Well, something worse is happening to America. Much worse. So here they are. They're at the Red Sea. They have no faith. They don't believe they can be delivered. Please, let me say this to you very tenderly. Some of you believe that you just have to put up with your condition and you can't be healed and you can't be delivered either from the finances or the pain. You can't be delivered. You just have to put up with it. That's life. No, it's not. That's death. That's not life. That's tyranny. That's bondage. The scriptures are all about being released from bondage. Walking in joy and freedom and hope. They're told, I'm going to read it for you. 
Do not be afraid. Stand still. And you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You know, you need only to be still. Now, please, I want to tell you a way of the Lord that I've learned through much trial and much suffering. I can do nothing to deliver myself. The deliverance must come from the hand of the Lord. And as we cry out to the Lord, as the darkness has come upon our nation, he will deliver our nation or a remnant. He will deliver the church, a remnant. You do not have to lay beside the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. You can be healed. You can be restored. God has a purpose for your life. Do not be afraid. The way of God is that we give up our fear. We give up our unbelief. We don't see the deliverance yet, but we must see it in the eye of faith. Now, I've taught this before, but let me review it for you very quickly. If you go to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, we call that the faith chapter. Every one of these wonderful men and women who by faith conquered you must know that before that faith was operative, they had to have a breathed word of God that penetrated their hearts so that they could see what their heart desired in the spirit realm. Let me say it another way. Some people say, I'll believe it when I see it. The way of God is, you must must see it in the Spirit. You must believe it before you see it. Because you have a promise of God that says... He will do it for you. And the scriptures are full of such promises. Promises of of restoration. Promises for your children. Promises for healing. Promises for financial help. There are many promises in the scripture. We participate in the divine nature, 2 Peter, the first chapter, We participate in the divine nature of God via the promises of God. There must be a total change in our mind and give up the fleshly way of saying, I will only believe it if I see it. Because in the spirit realm, in the coin of God, 
that doesn't happen. The, the coin of God is crying out against the darkness until we see it in the Spirit. And then we wait on the Lord for the direction for how it will come to us. Let me show you in this story. The Lord says you only need to be still. Now I want to share another word from Pink. This is from Arthur Pink, Gleanings in Exodus. Let me share this with you. He's he's right on. This is very powerful. I want you to hear it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Go forward does not contradict but complements the standstill. This is God's spiritual order. We are not ready to go forward until we have first stood still and have seen the salvation of the Lord. Now, where it gets tricky. If I stand still, the world tells me I will lose everything. If I stand still, the world tells me I will die. I'll never forget. My late wife and I were living in very expensive temporary quarters. It was the only place we could find. And we were in desperate need. We did not have a church. We had a small prayer group that met every Sunday morning to pray and to share. I was on the radio. We were having to pray in the small amount every month that that radio station was charging. Rent was due the next day. This was a, it was a weekly payment. And this was a Saturday night. Actually, it was, Monday was the absolute deadline for paying, but it was due on Sunday. And I didn't have any money. And I said, Lord, we're going to have to move into the car. We're going to have to sleep in the car. There's no way I can pay the rent. The Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, go down and get in the car. I went down and sat in the front seat under the steering wheel. I said, okay, Lord, I'm here. He said, are you comfortable? Do you want to sleep there? I said, no, Lord, I'm not comfortable. Well, then quit complaining and go upstairs. And go to bed. That's exactly what I did. I went upstairs and I went to bed. I didn't sleep well. The next morning, when we got up, I said to my wife, Jan, I'm at the end. 
we must have $3,000 today to meet just the expenses we have incurred. If we do not receive $3,000 today, we will move out of this place tonight. And I'm leaving the ministry. And I'm finished. And I'm not going to trust God again. I've had it. I'm angry. It's hopeless. This trying to follow Jesus, it just, I can't do it. I had several very fine business offers from friends who were in business who were offering to take me in as a partner in their business where I could earn a very good salary. And I had had it with this following Jesus. The next morning, as we gathered at 10 to pray, a man came in who had not ever been there before. I'd never met him or never spoken to him before. We all prayed together. I shared some scripture readings with them. And then I said, you know, I, I'm just hearing we're to pass an offering plate. I don't remember there was something there we could use as an offering plate, and, and we passed that. And people put a little bit in. And it came to this man. And he dropped in a whole wad of bills. I wondered, what's this about? Well, after church, we went back to the temporary housing called the Oakwood Apartments. And we found in the offering exactly $3,000. God had stepped in and totally delivered us. Now, by the next Sunday, we were again in the same place. All the bills were paid. But again, the rent was due on Monday. What was I to do? I spoke with Jan, and I said, Jan, I'm going to do the same thing I did last week. If God does not deliver us today, I'm finished. The next morning, as we gathered, the little goat herd of people, we passed the offering plate, and I think there was maybe $10 in the offering plate. And as we walked away from that, I looked at Jan. And I laughed, and I said, Look, Jan, do you see the Lord is not pleased with my trying to hold him hostage? Now, I'm not going to quit no matter what. We're going to follow the Lord. He's very clear sign that he is with us and will carry us. We're going to trust him that tomorrow we can pay the rent. And that night, in the evening, a man came and knocked on our door. 
and he said, the Lord told me to bring this to you. I don't know why, but here, and he handed me an envelope. And in the envelope was $3,000. And the Lord has carried, carried me in his arms. How could I not trust the living God of heaven? But for five years, we were homeless. We were invited to go and live with a, a pagan family. And for five years, we lived in absolute solitude with no public ministry. He wouldn't let us contribute to the household except we bought the food and we had to pray in the money to buy the food. We swept his house. We cleaned it. Jan washed and ironed their clothing. We took care of them. For five years, we just sat out in the woods and read the scriptures and prayed. Then we came to Woodbridge, and it was another two years before the Lord let us open ministry. Please hear me when I say this. I say it to you out of out of deep anguish and pain that I have learned the hard way that you need not learn the hard way. And that is that if you want God to move on your behalf, you are going to have to stand still and shut up and wait upon the Lord and risk losing everything and risk dying because you're waiting upon the Lord. And then will come the word of God to you. The word of God came to me, and it was, go forward. And the way the word of God came to me was a pastor called me from California and said, I've heard you're a man of prayer. Could I come and pray with you? I said, yes. He said, please, would you pick me up at the Baltimore, Washington airport? And I said, yes. And he gave me the times. I picked him up. He was a tall drink of water of a man. His name was, name was Ray Brigham, Pastor Ray Brigham. He helped found the National Day of Prayer. We prayed for a day together crying out for revival in America. When we were finished praying, he said, the Lord is telling me to take you to New York City tomorrow and introduce you to Pastor David Wilkerson at the Times Square Church. Would you do that? Yes, I'll do that. I want to meet David Wilkerson. So we drove to New York the next day. David Wilkerson had a prayer meeting that night. The place was packed. The sanctuary was jammed. I was sitting on the platform with he and Ray Brigham. David Wilkerson invited me to come forward 
with Ray Brigham and their elders, and they laid hands on me and on Jan and commissioned us for the work of the National Prayer Chapel and said, Go! And David Wilkerson gave me a large amount of money. And he said, go rent a house in Woodbridge. Now I'm going to tell you today, David Wilkerson became my father in the faith. I'm grieved that he has passed on. But he and his organization donated a total of over $150,000 to found the work of God in the National Prayer Chapel and the radio broadcast. God did it. I didn't do it. I stood still. And then he said, now go forward and do this. And I did, and quickly. We were established. Now let me come back and read for you Arthur Pink. He says, Go forward does not contradict but complements the standstill. This is ever the spiritual order. We are not ready to go forward until we have first stood still and seen the salvation of the Lord. Moreover, before the command was given to go forward, there was first the promise, that is, the breathed word of God, see the salvation of the Lord which he will show you today. Faith must be based on the divine promise, and obedience to the command must spring from the faith thus produced. Faith comes from the word of God. It does not come from the human heart. It does not come by struggling to try to create faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God from reading the Word of God, from the breathed Word of God, the rhema word. All faith that works is faith that comes to a man or woman as they stand still before Almighty God, and they wait upon the breathed Word of God to come into their heart. And then the direction for what they should do with go forward now Faith must be based on the divine promise, and obedience to the command must spring from the faith thus produced. Before we are ready to go forward, faith must see that which is invisible, namely, the salvation of the Lord. And this before he is actually, it is actually worked out for him. Thus by faith Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. Hebrews 11.8 Now Moses is given very specific direction on what he is to do. He is crying out to the Lord, and the Lord says, Moses, why are you crying out to me? I've, I've told you. Tell the Israelites now is the time not to stand still, but to move forward. Raise your staff, that is the staff of God that was in his hands, and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water 
so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Please understand, the devil stands in front of the children of Israel. The devil stands behind the children of Israel. And the Lord said, now I am going to destroy the power of the devil. God wants to destroy the power of the devil in America. He wants to destroy the power of the devil in the church. And he wants to do it by moving through your life in faith as you cry out to the Lord in the midst of this darkness that has come upon our land. Do you understand? Do you catch it? He says, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. God is going to destroy the devil's work before you and behind you. Now, if you're going to hear the rhema word of God, you're going to have to recognize the devil's work that is before you to block your way. And you're going to have to recognize the devil's work behind you that wants to capture you and kill you whether it be with finances or sickness or whatever the devil has arranged for your life. And God wants to come and gain glory for his name by destroying the devil's work before you and behind you. But you must cooperate. You must stop all human effort and you must stand still on the promises of God and wait for him to tell you to move forward. And when he tells you to move forward, he will tell you how to move forward. He will give you the direction for how to move forward. The church wants to hold church growth workshops and and they want to strategize and plan that it's all flesh. The church does not grow by following a business model. The church has never grown by following the way of the world. The church always grows as the Holy Spirit breaks through and brings deep conviction of the failure of the human heart and the human effort. Church growth that is real comes from the convicting power of the Holy Spirit transforming the lives of men and women as they fall under deep conviction and turn once more to the Lord their God. If you have a pastor who is a CEO, you need to find a new church. If you're in a church that is filled with entertainment, run. You need to find a church, you need to find a pastor who understands the way God works and who will teach you the ways of God. The ways of God are much different than the ways of men. Oh, we want to we want to put cushions on our pews and we want to air condition our church and we want to do this and we want to do that. 
so that people will come and be comfortable and they'll want to join our wonderful social party. What? Are you kidding me? Such lies. Is it any wonder? Darkness has swept over the land. It's not sweeping. It has swept over the land of America. And Christians are outclassed. Christians are put down. Christians are scorned by the secular world today. They are considered non-essential. And all of you went, oh, yeah, that's right. I can't go to church. I have to go listen on the internet. What? That's a worldly church. That's not a godly church. A godly pastor would never do that. It's foolishness. Well, I might be persecuted. Oh, you'll take the mark of the beast instead of being persecuted? Really? Is that the strength of your faith? I'm sorry. I don't mean to be mean. I'm just sick and tired of death ruling over the church in America. I'm sick and tired of pastors who, with no, who have no backbone, who won't stand up and call a, a lie a lie. I'm, I'm sick of the go-along-to-get-along business. I want the mighty power of God to come and change us and transform us into his likeness. I want the church to cry aloud to God and stand still. And the Red Sea will open before us and God will destroy the work of the devil ahead of us and behind us. And he will establish his church once again in righteousness and holiness. Sick and tired of girly religion. Pardon me, I don't mean to be insulting to women. I'm not being. I'm tired of the effeminate faith that has no strength and no manhood. Oh, I want Jesus. Now we're just about out of time for this broadcast. Where are you with all of this? Are you willing to stand? Are you willing to stop being a coward? Stop trying to save yourself. Stop trying to deliver yourself. Stop running to the doctor every time you have a toe ache. Are you willing to go and stand still before God Almighty? And he may say to you, go to the doctor. And if if he says that, then go to the doctor. Do what he tells you to do, but go and stand before the Lord and say, I will wait here until you give me direction. I have said to the Lord, I will not wiggle. I will not move. I will do this radio broadcast as you have instructed me. I have a small fellowship of, at home called the National Prayer Chapel. I will do nothing to change my situation. I will do nothing 
to deliver myself. I will wait upon the Lord. I am standing still, and I am only doing what he tells me to do. And I would rather I have said to the Lord, Lord, I will die waiting upon you before taking one step in my flesh. See, I could begin to urge all of you to donate money so we can go to the FM. I could begin making arrangements to do public meetings, finding a venue where we could meet and begin to build up the church. I can do all kinds of things. I know guerrilla marketing. I'm not going to do one thing to deliver the National Prayer Chapel or myself or this radio broadcast. I am standing still. I'm obeying the Lord. I will only do what he tells me to do as he directs me and tells me how to do it. Are you willing to do the same? Are you willing to wait upon the Lord? In the midst of this darkness that has come upon us, will you cry out to the Lord? Will you turn the TV off? Will you turn aside from your gaming? Will you turn aside from the internet? Will you seek the Lord with all your heart with me? I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm crying out to the Lord. I'm crying over the countless numbers of people that I see and know and love that I cannot reach with the gospel. Atheists, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, so-called cultural Christians that are not Christian. Oh, my brother, my sister, will you join me in crying out to God? Will you wait upon him for his direction? Will you let him destroy the works of the devil behind you and in front of you? Will you repent for participating in the devil's unbelief? And we will continue this story next Monday with the grace of God. And he will deliver us. I want to thank those of you who yesterday poured out such love and kindness for this broadcast, your kind letters, your gifts on the internet. I can't tell you how that... I wish I could tell you, but I can't tell you the sign that that was to me for a very specific command I've received from God. I will later. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, I'll look for your letter. I go every day and stand and pray at the mailbox. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now you can also go to our webpage, National Prayer Chapel. 
youtube.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find there these videos, YouTube videos. You'll find there podcasts. You'll find resources. You can also give online, and I thank those of you who have just done that. You were a direct sign to me that I asked the Lord for. I love you. I'm praying for you. Pray for me. I'll talk to you soon.